0: Well good morning. Welcome to Soul City Church. A lot of good lively conversation going on around that one. I know the right answer to say in church is to give. But thank you to those of you who gave honest answers as well. So it is good to be with you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here. And today we're gonna to talk about what I think gets triggered when we ask that question. What would you do if you had more time or more money? I want to talk about a thing, that a desire that's in all of us that I don't think we see lived out to the extent that we want and that God actually created you to live out in your life. I want to talk about what it looks like to unleash generosity in and through your life, how you can live a rich life by giving and trusting God with what you've got. Now, I know when we talk about this stuff, people get kind of freaked out and they want to you know, if, oh man, they're going to talk about money. Look, we already did the offering. So you're good. You don't have to worry about that. Did you notice that? You're free and clear on that one. I just want us to talk honestly and openly about this because I think every one of us desires this. In fact, here's what I'd ask you to do. I want you to be honest for a second. How many of you at some level, at some level would consider yourself a mildly generous person? Okay. Like you, you give when you can, what you can just raise your hand real quick and don't it's not bragging right now. It's not a humble brag. Like Okay, so here's the deal. If you didn't raise your hand, raise your hand if you're stingy. Now, you're not going to do that, right? All of us tend to think that we're, we all like to think at least at some level, we're like, we are generous, we want to be generous. So now we don't need to raise your hands, but how many of you have thought, specifically in light of the Powerball winnings recently, if you had more money you would give more. How many of you have ever thought that before? Like, well, if I, had, if I had some more, I would finally be able to give or I'd give more. I've totally thought that, like, oh, I can't wait till I have more so I can really give the way that I want to give to God and to other organizations, to friends who are in need. You ever thought that before? Yeah, every one of us has. But what about, uh, like, when it comes to, like, volunteering, right? I bet maybe that made it onto your uh, New Year's resolution list. Uh, New Year's was about three weeks ago, if you're keeping track. Some of us made lists. Well, I mean, never mind. You've already forgotten about it. But the point, the point is... I, like, if you had more time, I bet, you, I bet you you, thought or you said, you know, I would love to get involved, either here or some great organization in the city. I'd love to volunteer my time. I just, I cannot find the time. I don't have the time. You ever felt that way before? If I had more time, I, w- I would give more. I would. I honestly would if I had more time. I think every one of us has felt that before. I felt that way. But here's what's so interesting, I think, when we consider those desires and those realities that all of us face. No, no one f- feels, you know, like they're rich, neither time or resources. Like no one is going to say, "Oh yeah, no, I'm totally rich. I am so rich, you guys." You're certainly not going to say that out loud in Chicago. So, <laughs> that's not new. No one feels rich, right? But this is what's so crazy. This is so crazy. Do you know that if you earn more than $45,000 a year, you're in the top 2% of income earners in the world? If you earn more than $45,000 a year, you're in the top, so you're not one of the one, you're not the 1%, so thank God for that, you're not like them. But, (laughs) but you're in the 2%. Isn't that crazy? Did you you know when it comes to like time, and you're like, I wish I had more time, did you know it's so crazy? Americans spend, on average, every week, 30 hours watching television. Five-ish, or under five hours a day. Now, for those of you who are like, starting to feel the heel a bit, don't worry, Netflix doesn't count, doesn't you're free. You get a pass on that. It's not like normal TV, all right? I mean, so we have, I mean we have, we have more than maybe we realize: more time, more money. But here's what's really interesting. There's a five-year study done by the University of Notre Dame, and this is what they found by studying generosity and the effects of generosity and what people feel when they give and why they don't give, here's what they found. It's amazing. Only 2% of Americans, only 2% of Americans give more than 5% of their income away to charities or to churches. Only 2% give at some level significantly, around 5%. So this is a really interesting paradox that I think we're living in, we don't feel rich, but we are. Mm. And yet we feel like we're generous, but we aren't. Wow. We don't feel rich. You know, I would never say that I'm rich, but like, like you're in the top 2% probably. And yet we feel like, you know, I'm a generous person. I give when I can. I, you know, at the end of the year, you know, someone kind of comes around. I get, but we actually like, just by the numbers, we aren't. And it's an interesting paradox that we live in because I believe it's rooted in something that all of us face. In fact, it's a fundamental fear that all of us face that keeps us from giving and trusting God with our time and our talents and our resources. It's the fear of scarcity. It's this idea of scarcity. I believe that is what keeps you and I from living into unleashed generous lives. It's because we're afraid there's not enough that there's just simply not going to be enough. I would give more time, I would give more money if I had more, and if once I get more, then I'll give more. That's scarcity, that belief that there's just not enough time or money or energy for me. And listen to me, nothing steals the joy of generosity more than the fear of scarcity. There's nothing that will steal the joy of generosity in your life more than that fear like, there's just not enough, and God is big, but he's not big enough. And I don't have enough time, and I don't have enough money. And if I did, I would, but I don't, so I, I don't. That's the fear of scarcity. Scarcity loves to leash your generosity. It loves to just put a nice little leash on and go. Don't get carried away. I know they put pictures of those starving kids on the screen. Don't you? you don't have enough right now. I know that they have a big compelling thing going on with their organization, but just wait till the end of the year when you get your bonus and then we'll figure it out. That's what scarcity does. It puts a leash on your generosity and in fact keeps you from living the full life that God actually created you and invites you to live. Listen, you simply will not give what you want to give You will not give what you want in your heart to give as long as you believe that you don't have enough. You just won't. We can keep like kind of wrapping it up and keep coming to the end of the year and all your New Year's resolutions, but here's the deal. You simply will not give what you want in your heart to give to whatever it is. This church or organization, you simply won't give what you want to give as long as you believe that you don't have enough. There's got to be a better way than that, isn't there? There has to be a better way for us to see our stuff, to reorient how we look at our resources of time and energy and money. So I want to paint for you a picture that comes from the Bible, from the very first church, in fact, and how they got the joy of generosity and how it was deeply intertwined into the message that they shared with the world that they live in. So grab a Bible and turn to Acts chapter two, if you would, please. Acts chapter two, we're going to look at the picture of the... First church, far from perfect church, but they got this right. In the gray Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, can you grab a gray Bible? Let me know that there's one in your seat back. You can grab that and turn to page 759. In the gray Bible, it's page 759, Acts chapter 2. Everyone grab that. Grab a pen. We're going to circle a few words. David, you don't have a Bible. Grab a Bible. You know I'm going to call you out when you sit in the aisle like that. Come on, man. You're in my small group, dude. Come on. All right. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Here's quick context. Here's quick context on that. We are now after the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. This is shortly thereafter, what we're about to read right here. While Jesus was on earth, he gathered together this ragtag group of followers. He was just drawn to, and the people that were drawn to him were not the folks that you would build a sustaining organization on. They were ex-prostitutes, they were ex-tax collectors, they were ex-fishermen, they were ex-Pharisees, and they found new life in Jesus, new purpose in Jesus. And he said to them, hey, listen, I'm going to go, but when I go, God is going to unleash the Holy Spirit into your lives and into this world. And when he does, look out, nothing will be the same. And in fact, you are here today, we are here today because of what God did and what we're about to read So, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Let's look at what this life, an unleashed life of generosity, an unleashed church, really looks like. It says this about them it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, that they committed themselves. They gathered together for these things, for teaching, for community, for sharing meals together, for honoring and remembering God through, or Jesus' sacrifice through communion they prayed together and this is what it says in verse 43 and I want you to when I pause you can say the word back to me everyone was filled with what yeah and the the word I love the word because it sounds like what it is oh that's amazing that's what it was like to be around this church like whoa we've never seen anything like this we've seen empires we've seen governments we've seen systems and structures we've seen religion we've never seen anything like this Something special is happening through these everyday ordinary folks. And it says they were filled with awe of the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Last week, Jeannie talked about how those first followers of Jesus failed at performing a miracle after a holy high mountaintop experience. They couldn't complete it. But now, here with the Holy Spirit in and through them, they were actually performing miracles just like Jesus had. How cool is that? Verse 44, it says this. All the believers were together. That means that they were one. There was unity and had everything in common. That means there was sort of an openness about their lives. What's mine is yours. If you need it and I've got it, it's yours. Now let's look at these next couple sentences. They sold property and possessions to, what's the word, to? To to who? Who had what? I mean, come on. They sold their stuff to give to anyone who had need, anyone around them who had need. This baffled the Roman Empire that they were under, baffled them. Because these Christians were not only taking care of their own, they were taking care of the people outside of their little community. The sick, the poor, the oppressed, the overlooked, the orphans, the widows, in their city. And it was changing the social dynamics of every city that Christians went to. And it threatened the power structure of the empire. Because a group of ordinary everyday folks said, I've got something, I'll give it. If I can share it with you, I will. Look at this, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together. Now I just want to pause here real quick on the every day part. Every day. Y'all, it takes an act of Congress sometimes to get you here to church on time. I get it. We've got kids. I get it. Doesn't it feel that way sometimes? Like, you, oh, it's, I, you have no idea. It took me 20 minutes to get here. And then parking, that took another 20 minutes. Every day they gathered together. Every day they get together. What's God doing? What's God doing? And they met together in the temple courts and they broke breads in their home. They shared meals with each other. They ate together with glad and sincere and genuine hearts, praising God. And I love this idea and enjoying the what? Enjoying the Favor. favor of all people. What does that mean? That means that those outside of this holy little revolution of everyday ordinary folks were blessed and said there's something special happening here. There's nothing like this. And they were a gift to the city, every city that the church went to. Isn't that a powerful picture? The church was born not out of you know, all kinds of strategic plans and great marketing and good parking. It wasn't born out of that kind of stuff. It was born out of unbridled, unhindered, unleashed generosity. If I've got it, I'll give it. And remember, these first followers of Jesus didn't have much. None of them were anyone of great means. They didn't hold important degrees. No one before Jesus would call them like spiritual. They didn't have political connections to kind of make things happen. All they had was Jesus. And somehow at their core, they believed he was more than enough. He would take care of them. He would provide for them. Listen, they got what they'd been given by God. They got what they'd been given by God, and they gave it to anyone who needed it. They got what they had. They got what they'd been given, and they gave it to anyone who needed it. Why? Because at its core, the gospel of Jesus that we built this church on, that the church is built on, the gospel of Jesus is a generous gospel. Listen to me. It's a generous gospel. A God who gives everything, for everyone. And all he requires of you is to say yes. You don't have to earn your way into this generous gospel. You don't have to pay your way into this generous gospel. You don't have to get yourself cleaned up to come to the generous gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus is a generous gospel for all people about a God who gives everything and holds Nothing back. And somehow, my hunches these first followers of Jesus got that. They looked at themselves and said, are you kidding me? You're trusting the church to us. Okay, we believe, Jesus, that you're going to lead us. We believe that you're enough. We believe that you're going to cover our stuff. You'll take care of us. So why would we hoard it or hold on to it? Because you didn't do that with us, Jesus. So why would I do that with my brother and my sister, the sick, the poor, the oppressed around me? They got it. This is a generous gospel. Okay, now pause. Because, like, maybe you're like, oh, my gosh. Are they talking about money again? This feels like they're talking about money again. Oh, man. (laughs) And you might be thinking, like, I get it. Okay, I get it. That's for, like, spiritual people. Like, I get it. Like, the generosity thing, I get it. I don't know that I'm there yet, so I'll kind of hit pause on this talk till then. Okay, so let me talk to you for a second. For one second, here's what I want you to do, lest you think this is for more spiritual people than you, okay, just for one second, take God out of the equation, okay, let's take the overwhelming, compelling truths of the Bible off the table, don't freak out, we'll come back to them, I'm just saying for a moment, take God out of the equation, take the Bible off the table, and just answer honestly right now, who do you like hanging out with more, who do you like being around more? Dingy, greedy, self-centered, fear-driven, scarcity-ridden people or generous people. Like, just be honest about that for one second. Who do you like hanging out with more? Who gives you more life? Is it the greedy, stingy, all about me, I gotta lock this down, I gotta take care of this? Do you like being around those kind of people? Or do you like being around people who are free and open with their stuff? And every time you're with them, you feel like they give something to you even though they don't have to. Let's be more specific. When you're out to dinner and the check comes, who do you want at the table? (laughs) Let's be honest. Do you want the guys like, oh let's there's six of us, let's divide this up. uh." (laughs) No. You want the one who goes, I already took care of it. I already took care of it. We're not even gonna like play that game where we argue over it. It's my joy to give. You love being around generous people, don't you? You love, you get life from being around generous people, don't you? And you know what's so fun? You know what's so fun? Even more fun than being around. I love those people. I thank God for them in my life. I love going to dinner with those people. <laughs> but listen, do you know what's more fun than hanging out with generous people? Being, being, being one. one. That's right. Way more fun. Yeah. Where you get to be the one yeah. who says, don't worry about it. I got this. You need it? I'll take care of it. Yeah. You don't have a place to stay? Come stay with us. Yeah. It's way more fun being a generous person than it is just being with generous people. <coughs> all right, let's bring God and the Bible back. <laughs> Here's what I've come to learn about the unbelievably unleashed generous people at this church. And I've learned more about generosity in the last six years than I had all the years prior to that, because I see it, I see it. Here's what I've learned about the, the, the people of Soul City Church, and not, this is honestly true of generous people in general. Generous people don't wait until they have more to give more. Fundamental truth. No. Generous people don't wait until they have more. Remember going back to that, like, if, well, if I won the lottery, heck yeah, I'd totally give. They don't wait till they have more to give more. They just simply don't. They don't. Generous people look at what they have now and go, God, what might you want to do with it? How can I share this with others? So this is another way that scarcity tries to deceive you and, and keep you from fully living into the full life that God has actually for you. Generous people don't wait till they have more to give more. Listen, this first followers that we talked about, they didn't wait till they were more financially secure to give. It says from day one, this is what they did. They didn't wait till they kind of had time clear up in their schedule. Like, oh, I really want to help the poor and the needy, but I am pecked. They didn't wait. They didn't wait till their year-end bonus came in or till it all kind of added up. They looked at what they had and said, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do with me? What do you want to do through this stuff? Because I believe it comes from you. You're a generous God. This is a generous gospel, and I want to participate in that. So they looked at those around them. They said, well, you're hungry? You can have my lunch. Share my lunch with me. You don't have anywhere to stay? Oh, come stay in our house. You're lonely. You're sad. You need someone to talk to? I'll make the time for you. So that's how a movement of generosity, unleashed generosity, works. It's when everyday, ordinary people like you and me say, "I'm not going to wait till I have more to give more." They didn't wait to be generous. So, like now, let's get to that part. Are you? Like, are you waiting to be generous? I know you want to be. We all want to be. I want to be more (laughs) generous. Are you but are like what are you wait, like what are you waiting for actually? If you want to be, what are you waiting for? Like till you have more money? Okay. Till you have enough time? Till you have enough energy? How will you know when you have enough? How will you know when it's like I mean I have I've yet to meet someone who goes Got all the money I needed. Now let's have some fun. Where's that list I made? Like that I've never met anyone like that. because it's never enough. Because if you're waiting till you have enough, you're going to keep on waiting for a long time. Maybe you need to look at your stuff outside of the lens of, "I don't have enough." You may not think you have enough, but that's, that is not how God sees it. He's like on some new math totally different economy than ours. God does not look at your stuff the way that you do. He simply doesn't. In fact, what God does again and again and again throughout the Bible is he, and again and again and again throughout my life, maybe yours, he has this way of making big things out of small offerings. Big things, like big, big, like like fish and loaves. You ever heard that story? Big thing, small lunch, This is what God does. He even says, mustard seed inside faith, you can move a mountain. I'll do big things through your small offering. And this is how God has hardwired generosity into our life with him and into the life of the church because generosity is unlike any other investment you can make in this world. There's no other investment like it. Here's why. Generosity has an unlimited return on your limited resources. You will not find a better investment in this world generosity the giving of your time, your energy, your resources to God, to things that go beyond yourself has an unlimited return out of some limited resources. I can't think of another investment like it. I think about the folks at our church who get this. I'm gonna brag for a little bit about some folks in our church. I think about the folks who get this And I am so compelled and inspired. I think about folks like Rosie and Jeff. You may not even know them. These folks serve every week on our culinary team. Pause. We have a culinary team. How cool is that? (laughs) Moving on. They serve on the culinary team as leaders in the culinary team. And every week they spend a couple hours and they spend their time, they spend their resources creating meals for all of our hundreds of volunteers that go in and out of Soul City Church on a Sunday. You may never see them or their amazing creations. But here's what their small investment, their limited resources do. Those meals that they make, those unbelievably creative meals that they make, fuel our volunteers. Let's take our worship team, for example. They are literally fed, because you know they're here from 6.30 in the morning till 2.30 in the afternoon every Sunday. Did you know that about our volunteers? Yeah, so you're like, if you're trying to get me to volunteer, that was a bad pitch. All right, But it's just one team, okay? So they're here all day. And Jeff and Rosie's meals that they create for them keep them fueled, keep them going. And when they are well-fed and well-fueled, they lead well on Sunday. And when they lead well, we worship well together as a church. So here's the crazy math that God does. A couple hours and a couple crepes and a couple omelets on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m. literally affect thousands of people throughout a Sunday. How cool is that? Small investment, huge return. This is what God does. I think of some of our faithful, faithful folks that serve in our small group and community care. Folks who've served as small group leaders and coaches for years now, faithfully serving. Way too many for me to mention in this one message. I think of folks like Bree and Craig Allen faithfully, faithfully pouring in. I think of Sarah Dunbar, Faithfully, as a coach, she leads leaders at our church. I think of Nate Krumzig and Benjamin Nelson faithfully leading a men's group. They were part of my men's group years ago. They far eclipsed us. I thank God, and there's many more, and if you're a small group leader and you're like, oh, I didn't even mention me. I mentioned you in the last service. You just want to... Should have come at eight. Should have come at eight. So... Here's what they do, and I want you to get how God's math works. Here's what I, here's what I want you to get them to do. They spend a couple hours a week praying and preparing to create a sacred circle for folks to experience the love of Jesus. Every time, every week. They pray, they prepare, they kind of set the stage, sometimes in their home, sometimes in this church, and here's what God does. In that little sacred circle, small group, lives are shared. Yeah. Stories are unfolded. God is invited in. Sin is confessed. Patterns that have lasted a lifetime are broken. Marriages are restored. Couples find each other in small groups. Just another push for small groups. (laughs) Lives are literally changed and transformed by Jesus in real time. A handful of people, a couple hours a week, have affected listen to me thousands and thousands of people for eternity and they were faithful to give a little investment of a little time to say well I can I can I can help I can lead I can give of my time i think of what happened here Friday night at Eden as about over 450 women I don't know where they all fit don't tell the fire department but they were all here worshiping God and, and, and living into the fullness of who they are. And they heard the story uh, that we've shared here of a family in our church who, you know, they had a baby. They weren't sure was going to make it. And they were stuck at Lori Children's Hospital for weeks and months. And so anyway, she tells her story and says, look, here's something you may not think about, that there's hundreds of families who are sitting bedside every day for weeks, for months. Sometimes I don't even be able to touch their newborn baby. And we can do something to help. And so they said, well, what if we could provide some meals? What if we could cover dinner for one week so there's just one less thing for them to worry about? And so the women of Eden on Friday night said, well, we, we can give to that. That makes sense. In the spirit of this first church, and the spirit of unleashed Generosity, we can do something about that. And in one night, 450 or so women gave $7,500 to give. Now listen, our leadership was so compelled and inspired by this unleashing of generosity that we went to our Love Works Fund, because I don't know if you know this, but our church dedicates 10% of our budget. We believe in what the Bible teaches as a church. of our budget every year, over $200,000 and growing every year goes outside our doors. We give to our partners, to folks who hit financial crisis, to, uh, you know, if there's disaster relief, we are able as a church to respond because of folks' faithfulness. So we went to our Love Works Fund and said, well, we want to add another $2,500 to that. So the gift became $10,000. What was a vision for 30 families is now 40 families this week are going to have dinner for one week. Because a couple people said, I can give to that. Small investment, huge kingdom return. I think of the over 800 folks who faithfully, financially give to this church. They give to God because they get what they've got and who it came from. And what's so crazy is I am so glad that they didn't wait till they got more to give more. (laughs) Because of their faithfulness you have a church to go to today. I mean that's crazy to think that you have a chair to sit in because someone came before you and said, I'll give. I'll give. And I think about right now our kids are upstairs in Soul City kids and they're in an unbelievably loving and inspiring creative caring environment where they're hearing about the love of God. And you know what funds all of that? It's not like magic fairies. It's everyday ordinary people like you and like me who say, I can give to God. I can do that. And because of that, our kids are hearing about the love of Jesus and growing into a lifelong relationship with him. And literally, because of around 800 or so folks who faithfully give to this church, literally tens of thousands of people since this church began have been affected by God's love because of a few faithful folks. And you are are a direct recipient of that today. How cool is that? How crazy is God's math that a limited resource can have an unlimited return? And do you know of these crazy folks who trust God and give to God and believe that he can do something bigger with what they have? Do you know that there's a whole bunch of those folks who actually give on top of their giving? They literally double down on their giving. And they've made a faith commitment to where God's leading us next as a church. And you've heard us talk about For the Love and what we're doing to build on the land next door. And you're mad because you can't park there, but listen, we got bigger plans for it than that. God's leading us to build a transformation ministry center that affects this entire neighborhood that offers God's love with open doors to anyone and everyone. And there's a handful of folks, a bunch of them are in this room, who said, I want to give to that. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to get beyond me and beyond my stuff and give to something bigger than me. And you know what's so crazy? If you were to talk to any of these generous people, you know what they'd say? I bet you every one of them would say this. If you talk to them and ask them why they do it, and you, you know what they'd say? They'd say, I don't, want you to, I don't want you to feel grateful to me. That's not why they give, so that you would feel grateful for them. And my hunch is they'd say, and I certainly don't want you to feel guilty because that's not what this is about. Do you know what these generous folks who get what they've got and give it to God and give it away to others, do you know what they really want? They want you to join them in the joy of generosity, to link arms like a bunch of ordinary everyday folks did 2,000 years ago and say, what might God do through us? What might God do through us? What might he do in this city so that we can actually be a gift? As we look at a broken and failing public school system, we might get together and say, we can do something about that. As we look at the poor around us, the homeless literally that we walk by every day to stop and say, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, we can do something about this. And when we consider the unbelievable violence that is plaguing our city, we say, wait, no, stop, we can create a safe space. We can, we're the church. Not only we can, we must. And I don't know who doesn't wanna be a part of that kind of movement. I don't know who doesn't wanna be a part of that kind of generosity. We all wanna be a part of something like that. So the question is, are you, are you willing to be that kind of person? Everyone wants to be a part of something like that. It's a fun ride. But am I willing to say my stuff? God, I'll, I'll look at what I got and I believe it's from you. Whatever you want to do, God, I'll do it. You know I've TJ's here and he's gonna play the motivational keyboard right now. Really, really put it on you over the next couple minutes. Thank you, TJ and here's the deal I I want you to get this because I listen I love God I trust God generosity has changed our life I mean changed the way we look at our stuff it's shaping our kids look I, I don't this isn't about getting a couple bucks in the bucket it's bigger than that I want you to live in the joy of generosity to not wait till you have more to give more so here's the deal it would be really easy for me in this moment right now to tell you about, you know, next and how you can go right after our gathering to out in the lobby to the next steps wall and you can literally today sign up to start giving some of your time and volunteering and making a difference around here. I could tell you exactly how to do that right after each gathering, but I won't. I could tell you how you could go online today to soulcitychurch.com give and set up your online giving today before scarcity talks you out of it, to actually do what you want to do. I could tell you exactly, you go to www.soulcitychurch.com give and you can actually begin in a couple minutes doing what you've always wanted to do. I could tell you about that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I don't wanna do that. Here's what I'd rather do. Here's what I'd rather do. I'd rather leave you with two questions that you honestly consider and that you take before God. First question is this, what do I really have? What do I really have? to ask that question, to do an honest inventory. Okay, what do I really have? And my hunch is what you will find is you have way more than you think. You'll never have as much as you want, but you already have all that you need. What do I really have? And God, what have you given me? My life, my experiences, my story. Some of you have been Christians for a long time. You've gotten really good at being a Christian. Are you pouring that wisdom, that life, that experience into anyone else? Do you know that your story actually can change someone else's story in life? Do you know that your life lived out with God can help shape and even lead others into a life of God? Just who you are is a gift to someone else. Not to mention time, your resources, your energy, your gifting. So what do I really have here, God? And then the next question, what is it really for? Like, what's it really for? Is it all for me? Is it all about me? Is it about getting more and more and more until I believe I'll have enough? Or might it actually be a part of something God wants to do through your limited resources to have unlimited return, literally that changes the landscape of history? No greater investment you can make in this world than giving to others beyond yourself, trusting God with your resources. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of those are the kind of people I like being around and that's the kind of person I want to be and I wonder if you do too so I want to stand and i want to have us pray together and we're going to respond to God together in prayer and we take a posture of prayer around here that might I think be incredibly appropriate right now we open our hands up and it's just a way of symbolizing God I'm here I'm open And so I ask you, if if you're comfortable with that, to take that posture of prayer. Let me pray for you and for this church right now. God, with hands open and I pray hearts open, we come to you and say, help us be who you actually created us to be. God, we want to be more generous. Now help us be willing to do so today. And God, I pray for an outpouring of creativity, the kind of creativity that leads to a culinary team, the kind of creativity that looks at little ones and says, I can care for them, I can take care of them, the kind that looks over our city and says, instead of saying, well, who's gonna do this and who's gonna do that, looks and says, well, God, maybe I should do that. I wanna be a part of that. I'm not gonna wait till I have more time or more money or more energy to give more. I'm gonna begin today. And so God, I pray for that spirit of freedom to be unleashed. We, we, we name scarcity and we run it out the door. It does not have a place in your house, God. Because you are enough and you have enough for us. We run that lie out the door. And we run the lie that tells us that we are not enough and we're not good enough to be a part of something God's doing, we chase that out the door and say, it has no place here. Today, God, we choose to stand in who you are, who you've created us to be, and what you're inviting us to do with what you've given to us. God, I pray for unleashed generosity over this church. In your name, amen.